Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Earners, the year is almost halfway over. Do not miss this opportunity to scale to the next level. EYL University is the biggest institution when it comes to business online period. We have ramped up things in 2021 with over 20 infinity groups, including our breakout crypto club, which is fastly becoming one of the top online communities for cryptocurrency information. It also includes MG, the mortgage guys, home buyers, blueprint, volume one. It also includes monthly financial planning calls with yours truly. It also includes our book club, our movie club, Access to our private Facebook group with over 6,000 members, access to over 100 past webinars, and access to weekly webinars from industry experts. All that and more for a limited offer of 60% off. That's right, 60% off of the annual tuition. Go to EYLUniversity.com right now and become an earner. My graduates from my school being Forbes, bag drop. Bag drop. <laughs> A mic drop. Bag drop. Bag drop. 
All right, guys, welcome back. EYL, ATL edition. Um, this is going to be a big episode. Very, very excited to have this conversation. So, you know, first. We co- yeah, first time we ever talked about something like this. We yeah. cover business every single episode um, and all forms of business, every area of business. And the one thing that we really haven't covered in detail is employment from an employer standpoint mm-hmm. and especially outsourcing. So, like, outsourcing is huge in corporate America, Fortune 500 companies, where you see, like, a company like Apple and all of these companies where, like, large chunks of their workforce are in China, India, Indonesia, things of that nature, whether it's from a production standpoint, whether it's from customer service standpoint. We know that for sure. All kinds of stuff. Um, But, you know, one of the things that you see with small businesses is you never see that which is, I guess, can be looked at as a gift and a curse because it's hard to scale, but you also keep an employment in America, but you're paying way more. It's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah. Um, so even us, we use you know our production for our merchants in Pakistan. We've outsourced that overseas. We've had issues with overseas production before. So this is an interesting conversation because DeMarco Thomas is an entrepreneur, He's a real renaissance man. So he has over 54 vehicles, a fleet of trucks um, from semiconductors to sprinter vans to uh, box trucks, semi-trucks, not semiconductors, semi-trucks. He has 100 employees locally, over 100, and then he has over 85 employees international. And what he's spending most of his time on these days is actually he has an outsourced company called Metro Max Solutions where he actually – helps people outsource their business. So we're going to have a conversation about how to expand a business, the outsourcing, dealing with workers overseas, and how to actually, you know, grow, grow a business from a local mom and pop operation into a global entity an with enterprise. You know, millions of dollars of revenue, over 100 employees. So first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me, brother. For sure. Pleasure for being sure. here. For sure, for sure. And you're also from Alabama. Shout, right? out, to, shout out to Alabama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Roll Tide, War Eagles. <laughs> Wait, what, what side are you on on that? Oh, I'm War Eagles, man. But Ooh. of course, when um, Roll Tide is playing against anybody else, man, I'm rooting for them. Okay. Okay. Always the home state. You Cam know? Newton territory. Yeah, yeah, bro. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to Alabama. You're from Montgomery, Alabama, right? Yeah, Montgomery, born and raised. Montgomery. Is that the home of Martin Luther King? Man, that's the birthplace of the civil rights movement. Yeah. So that's where he kind of, you know, kicked off the the march and, you know, all the initiatives that kind of pushed that, that whole era. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know you had strong times out there. Um, shout out to everybody in Alabama for sure. So, all right, let's get into it. How did you come to this point of actually doing what you're doing now? Because I know you didn't always do this. You wasn't always an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. how was the journey from working corporate America to becoming an entrepreneur? Man, it's, it's been a crazy ride. You know, um, for me, it kind of started, you know, out of high school in terms of being exposed to different diversities. You know, growing up in Alabama, man, uh, the majority of people you interact with, at least at, at my time, was either black or white. So out of high school, I joined the military. And at that point, I was exposed to a whole diverse array of people who came from, you know, all kind of different backgrounds and walk of life. And in my first six months in the military, I traveled overseas. Army? Uh, U.S. Navy. Oh, Navy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, U.S. Navy, bro. 
and uh, within the Navy, um, my first six months, we traveled to about 10 countries. So 17 years old, never been outside of Montgomery, Alabama. You start, you, you just, you know, get exploded into all these different cultures from Spain to Malta to Dubai when they was first rising it up to, to, to uh, Barcelona uh, to Bahrain. And then that just kind of opened my mind to just, you know, global business in general because I saw that, man, you know, business can be done everywhere with the right tactics, skills, and, um, and, and infrastructure. So when you're in college, uh, well, in the Navy, what are you studying there? Because obviously there's some financial background there. What, what are you studying? Yeah, so I, I was actually an operations specialist in the Navy, man. I, I specialized in making sure that the, the, the ship made it from point A to point B safely. Logistics. Logistics, bro. And, and we'll get to that a little later. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> funny yeah. how one thing turns into the next. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, um, you know, after uh, doing my first deployment in the Navy uh, around 18, um, I actually was stationed in Jacksonville, Florida, and I had the opportunity to attend college in the evening. So I went to UNF. Uh, I studied uh, finance and, and strategy. Uh, so simultaneously doing that end of my enlistment in the Navy. And um, uh, when I was actually completing my degree, uh, I decided to relocate to Atlanta. So got my corporate finance degree, relocated to Atlanta 2009, um, got a corporate job with Home Depot. Uh, working in finance and pretty much climbed the corporate ladder from uh, Home Depot to NCR and, and lastly, Cox Communication. What, what was your job? What was the last job that you had title? Uh, my last title was I was the senior manager of finance operations. And um, through my role in finance, um, I was responsible for, you know, budgeting, of course, but literally looking inside the business and finding out ways to make it more efficient, mm. make it more profitable, um, deciding if we need to make management changes, uh, deciding if we need to bring in external parties in order to make the company grow. And so uh, that pretty much, you know, ran its course for about nine years. And when did you, you leave? Uh, I, left in, uh, I left in March 2015. Okay, yeah. okay. That's, that's a valuable lesson, though. Now I'm listening to it. It's like, yo, these are huge companies, especially Home Depot. Uh-huh. And even them, at that level that they're at, they're like, yo, how can we grow more? How can we expand more? So they're bringing you in. Yeah, it's all about being competitive, bro. Like a, a business unit was unperforming, my team will actually go in there and we'll look at everything from the SOPs to the systems they use uh, and, of course, their books. And, and then we'll actually sit with their management team and see what their vision is. And whatever gaps we identify, we make a rec- recommendation to the, the president of that business unit on how to you know, make certain changes to take it to the next level. So, okay. So what, what came first, outsourcing or, or trucking? Uh, definitely trucking. Uh, so in corporate America, I got exposed to outsourcing. So if, if I go into a business unit and I felt like a certain part of that unit could be done uh, more effectively and efficiently outside of the company, we engage outsourced vendors to come into business and actually execute it. So we can like really focus on our core business. You know, the, the strategy of a lot of big corporate companies is, you know, focus on what you do best and then outsource the rest, right? Mm-hmm. If, I'm, if I'm good at sales, that's all I want to focus on is sales. I don't want to spend a lot of time, you know, uh, recruiting people. You know, I'm going to outsource the HR portion of my company so I can focus 100% on sales. So you had the, you had the, te- you learned about outsourcing from corporate world mm-hmm. and from the military because you was traveling overseas. So you saw how business was being run. Exactly. A lot of times people in America only think, America is the only place that could do business. And it's like, nah, they're doing business on a, on a level just like we are overseas. Um, so, okay. 
what are the benefits of outsourcing? Obviously, you can pay people less money, right? Sure. But what other? What are some other benefits for small business owners that outsource? Um, some huge benefits is um, technology, right? Um, I, I think a lot of people and companies want to invest in tech, uh, but they can't. Um, number one, identify the talent or afford the talent locally, um, and they don't know the strategy. So, um, me personally, I decided to outsource to India because that's a that's a tech hub, and even though. You know, as an entrepreneur, I'm primarily in the transportation space. Um, the way we built our company and kind of where we're going, uh, where we plan to go forward is kind of in the tech space. So what was the first thing that you outsourced? Like, what was the first job? Sure, man. So um, we, we started outsourcing, like, you know, just to step back a little bit. I got, you know, I left corporate America uh, 2015 um, and, you know, invested in my first semi and between 2015 and 2018, I scaled that to about 20 trucks. Uh, if you know anything about transportation, specifically on the over-the-road trucking space, the margins are, are slim. They're in double digits, low double digits. So, you know, you try to find ways to cut costs. Uh, what I did was, you know, use my corporate experience, use the exposure I had to outsourcing, and made a decision that I wanted to take certain back-end functions, like processing uh, payments to my driver. Uh, processing applications related to my drivers, you know, maintaining the, uh, the maintenance records related to my truck. Mm. I wanted to do that outside the business, right? Because I wanted my, my internal team to really focus on operational execution. Did that happen over time? Like, did you start with that in mind? Like, this is, I'm going to outsource from the beginning because I know these are the things that we're going to have to face, or is that something Actually, I, I learned? It, it, it's like literally when I grew the business and I recognized that even though my, my number of units were growing, my profitability was was not growing as fast. Mm-hmm. That then I decided, okay, I need to refocus and you know take some P and L lines and, and reevaluate them. So, how did you go about getting the first person that you outsourced? Yeah, so uh, the first thing I did is I reached out to relationships I had in corporate America and I identified a, a former colleague that was from India, right? Pretty much had the skill set I didn't have, right? He was from India, he had experience in IT, and he had experience outsourcing. So I convinced him that, you know, there, there may be a big void in the transportation space in terms of servicing small companies such as myself. And, uh, you know, he got sold on the idea. We, 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 we took the Frank Lucas approach, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we traveled to India. Yeah. And, what, uh, what part? Bangalore. We keep hearing these stories about India. You know, we got, we got, <laughs> <laughs> I think we, you're, we, you're the second person yeah. that traveled to India. Yeah. Um, we got we got screwed real bad in India. Um, we Yo. had an app. We had a DJ app. Okay. Years ago, and um, we he was looking to develop an app. And anybody that ever has done an app, you know, it costs a lot of money to get an app developed. Mm-hmm. So we can do it for like sixty, seventy percent cheaper. We found in India, and they're real good with tech, mm-hmm. um, and they speak English when they want to. Um, so, so you had, you had the wrong associate. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you know what we did? We, we watched American Gangster, but we left the part out about actually traveling. Well, we didn't go. That was, we should. Yeah. We should have. So long story learned. short, we we spent like over thirty thousand dollars, and we got burnt, and wow. the product was trashed. And we had to hire another Indian to go speak to them, and that was a waste of money, and the whole thing just fizzled <laughs> out. So when you went to India, how was your experience on the ground in India? Yeah, so, I mean, on the ground, it's still a, a third-world country. Um, so uh, the, the infrastructure, uh, business-wise, is established, right? So, you know, there's American companies that's been operating in India or from India since the 1980s, 
whether it's Apple, your Amazon, you know, pretty much all the four, Fortune 500 companies. So for me coming in from a small business standpoint, it was like, okay, how can I get a space just like I would do here? How can I hire? Uh, and how can I, you know, pretty much ensure that those resources, uh, you know, deliver on the services I want them to? So we, we literally, man, spent a couple of months, um, you know, finding the right place. You out there for months? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, this wasn't a, like a, a walk in the park, bro. Like, you know. But you had, to, you had your plug to connect with you. Of course. I had, you know, had a He's person. from India? Yeah, born and raised. You always got to take a local. Yeah. So you went out there for one employee or you went out there for a fleet of employees? I went out there to establish a, a foundation. So I wanted at least, you know, two to five. Mm. But, you know, we ended up hiring five, but only two really kind of, you know, stayed with us long term and kind of fitted our mold. But those two people, right, laid the foundation for what we started to create long term. So, so you, while you're in India for months, who's running the business here? Um, my partner, Corey. Okay. You know, uh, he was a... He was a big part of, you know, uh, pushing it as an operation manager for the business. He like, hurry up, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, and eventually he ended up coming over too. So we ended up, you know, swapping it out. Okay. Yeah. So when you get to India, was it one of those things where you went for one employee, but then you realized that you can turn this into a business? hundred percent. And then you realized you needed to stay a little bit longer just to kind of fully understand the culture? Yeah, it went, it went from, you know, number one, loving the culture to learning the skill sets that they do have and how I can plug them into my business to seeing it actually work within my business to say, okay, you know, I can actually offer this service to other transportation companies and I can offer it at a, at a reasonable cost. Right. And so that started Metro max dispatch. And then we, uh, we pretty much launched that business as a service in uh, late 2018, early 2019. And within a year, we exploded, man, had over, you know, 100 customers in a year. And currently we send at about 200 customers that we support so you, from a back-end transportation. You went there to solve the problem of one business and actually created another one while you were there. Yep. Solve the problem of my business. Right. right? I went there selfishly, selfishly, you know. So, um, you know, to get there and then recognize, okay, I can take this same solution and spread across other transportation companies. Um, it, it just fell in my lap. So how much did you pay the first person or the first couple people? Uh, you know, it's, it's about one-fourth of, of what it costs a resource here. So it was about uh, 500 a month. 500 a month for? The first full-time resource. And they work like nine to five? Nine to five, 40 hours a week. 40 hours a week, $500. No, no benefits? Uh, including benefits. Including benefits? Good man. So Good the man. 500 includes health insurance and all that? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, okay. So that's interesting. The first thing. How are they on hours? Because they're like five hours ahead of America, right? Yeah, they're uh, ten and a half hours. Ten and a half hours. Ten and a half hour difference. So how does that work? Well, you know, most of the people we hire, they they worked for former U.S. companies, right? So they already had, you know, um, the U.S. dialect. They already had uh, exposure working night shift, basically, to support day shifts in the U.S. So that that culture is already set in India. Mm. So they work in night shifts. Mm-hmm. Just on the so, ground. So, what what is the training looking like? Are you are you holding trainings like, outside? like where where is this happening that you're teaching them the skills that they need? Well, when I first got there, it happened uh, you know in person. It's, it's no different than training anybody um, that you hire here, mm-hmm. right? You you have you know your SOPs. Uh, you you have certain deadlines. What's that, SOP? Uh, standard operating procedures. Okay. You know, have a job description. You post that. Once you get somebody on board, you take them through your onboarding, your training, and you know. But skill set wise, they may have a skill set that's already advanced or experienced in that industry. Like you got, I'm not the first person to outsource transportation to, 
to India, right? So it's uh, components and employees that are already working in transportation. My job was really to, you know, hire them. And then instead of, you know, knowing a lot about overall transportation, specifically my business and how to support my business. Yeah. So, okay. So you get, you get up and running, you're in India, mm-hmm. you get a couple of employees. Um, and how did that, did that like automatically accelerate your business? Yeah, a hundred percent. So number one, it, it caused my front end team to not really focus on a lot of admin portions of the business. You know, uh, the biggest thing in transportation is really retention of drivers, you know, uh, dealing with maintenance, uh, negotiating uh, deals for freight. So my team, they didn't have to worry about the paperwork side, right? They didn't have to worry about payroll. They didn't have to worry about maintenance records. They truly focused on our core competencies, which allowed our business to grow, which allowed me to free up my time and then create other businesses in transportation. So, okay. So, um, at what point did you scale and get more employees? Like the first two, you said a couple of months, sure. when you start to hire more people. So uh, year two, uh, 2008, we had, we, I mean, sorry, year one, 2008, we had two people. Uh, 2019, we scaled to about 20. Um, and then uh, 2020, we started the year with about 40. And, and now we're sitting at about 80. So, you know, the business grew as number one, my business grew, but also, um, we, we started to offer these same services and skill sets and access to other people. To other people. So you got eighty people in India right now. Right now, who, who's who acquired the additional ones? Like I know you were there for the first couple, first two to five, but how do you get to forty? How do you get to eighty? Is there like a hiring manager over sure. there? Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, once you get to a certain size, you, you put in a manager infrastructure, okay. just like you would do here. Yeah. And you know, we got an HR department, and you know, they were responsible for. Um, you know, pretty much scaling that side of the business. Okay. So who, um, what do those 80 employees do? Yeah, so about 40 of them work, well, about 40 of them primarily work in transportation, right, supporting my company as well as other transportation-related business. The other 40, um, they're doing a combination of bookkeeping, uh, uh, sales, marketing, and account management for other clients that we have in the space. So is the primary reason to outsource business just because you can pay people less? Is that like in a nutshell? No, no. The the primary reason to outsource is really for scalability. Number one, if you're freeing up your time, right, you you allow your your co-employees and and you as an owner to focus on, you know, adding more businesses. You know, in the last four years, I started six companies. That's why I have 100 employees here in Atlanta. And I never would have been able to do that without outsourcing because it allowed me to scale. It allowed me to hire a talented group of people, and then point them in, di- in the direction of my vision. And while they execute on the back-end processes of the business, my front-end team can really focus on being on the ground and executing on the things that need to happen on the ground. So you got 80 there, you built 105 here. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, the difference in the overhead costs to try to, to have an operation like that, obviously there compared to here. Sure. What was that so, like? So, um, I mean, the cost is about one-fourth of the cost of an employee here. It's one-fourth there. And so what you do is you take those savings and you reinvest it in your current employees, right? Uh, you reinvest that into new ventures. You reinvest that into technology. And that's, what, that's how you scale fast, right? When you, look at a, when you talk to a lot of small, um, small business uh, owners, the, the biggest thing they, they come in on is access to capital and not having the capital to pay themselves, not having the capital to promote people. 
And so as an owner, you always got to look at ways to, to be cost efficient and, and, and ways you can, you know, have an environment within your company where you, where you can offer benefits, for instance, where you can offer like scalability and career progression. So, okay. So let me ask you this. Um, for people that just want to get their first employee and they might not have enough money to hire like a, uh, an American employee because it's a lot of money if you're paying somebody, you know, especially if they work full time. The virtual assistant route is very popular sure. these days. Yeah. Um, what it, For people that might not be familiar, what is a virtual assistant and what are some steps for people if they are looking to hire a virtual assistant? Sure. So a virtual assistant is someone who comes in your business and they handle general tasks, right? You can get a virtual assistant to build you a website. You can get a virtual assistant to, um, you know, do your payroll, um, you know, whatever kind of primary perimeters you actually set um, that person to actually service. So um, what what you see a lot of people do is they go to freelance.com. Oh, Fiverr? Fiverr. That's a big one. Yeah. They go to Upwork, right? And, and, you know, as an entrepreneur, then you're responsible for evaluating that person just like you did for the app, right, and trying to make a determination on can they really do the job. Based on your evaluation, you know, you put a payout, and then you kind of hope that they deliver on what you kind of researched. Uh, and that's one way of running your business. You know what? I, my company is kind of, you know, putting out there as an offer to, you know, small business owners is that we'll bring staff that's, uh, that's, that's qualified, that's reference check, that can deliver, that's done the job that you're looking to do at a low cost and, and, and help scale your business. Okay. That's, that's what we do. So. BPO, that's what this is, right? Yeah, this business, is BPO, business, business process, process outsourcing. And so there's two types of outsourcing, right? There's the, the back office outsourcing, mm-hmm. and then there's the ITO outsourcing, right? That's correct. Can you break down the two and the differences and what they are? Right. So every industry, um, whether it's uh, IT, whether it's transportation, whether it's uh, um, real estate, has a component of their business that they outsource. And what a lot of companies do, similar to my company, is that they'll say, hey, if you're in the real estate space, I can give you an a, a MPO, which is a, a, a mortgage process outsourcing service. You know, I can handle all your uh, paperwork related to closing. I can handle all your paperwork related to credit checks, et cetera, from India. So they do the same thing with, with IT, mm-hmm. right? Um, I can handle everything in terms of app development. I can handle everything in, in terms of uh, system communications and things of that nature. So it, it's just it's just outsourcing broke into different industry components. By each, right. So if I do retail, if I do right. real estate, it's a different uh, asset. Exactly. Got you. Exactly. So when you um, do the outsourcing and now you have 80 employees, who was the first, like, when you left, did you, like, make sure you left somebody in India that was, like, from America or you just hired some, like, who was the, the main big dog that, like, stayed in India and grew the operation for you over there? Yeah, so um, uh, Corey was actually a big part of that. He was my operation manager in my trucking company, so um, and, and the one who helped founded the trucking company with me in the beginning. So um, we pretty much switched, right? He came to India to continue the continuous education part of it, and um, and then I hired my brother to manage my fleet here, like locally. And uh, after a couple months there, we hired a resource, a couple of resources in India, in India to manage certain functions of the business. Right. And, and in India, you can place what's called bonds on, on employment. And what a bond does is 
pretty much that resource is agreeing to work for you for a certain amount of time. A bond, B-O-N-D? B-O-N-D. Like, so they, they, they have to work for you? Um, like an indentured service? It's, no, it's like a legal contract. Okay. Mm. Right. You know, I'm investing this time, energy, and the training you to yeah. possibly relocating you. You know, no different than what we do in corporate America, right? If I relocate you from Atlanta to New York and, you know, you decide to leave my company in New York, then you got to pay me my relocation costs. Oh, okay. Right? Right. So, like, so, I'm giving you all all of this. You have to come work for me. You can't take these skills and go somewhere else. Exactly. How long? Uh, uh, it, it depends, right? A bond can be six months. It can be multiple years. It depends on the investment you make into that resource. Okay. So, depending on how much you game you give them, exactly. will determine how long the, the bond is. Yep. So being being in India, uh, I think it's important to have this conversation as far as like for international perspective because a lot of times people in general, but especially business owners, they think small. Mm-hmm. And that's why one of the reasons why small businesses stay small is because they don't think outside of their, you know, five mile radius that they actually are located or where they come from. So like going over there, how was the reception as far as you coming from America? You being a black man from America, going overseas to India, how was how was the vibe out there as far as like how were you treated as you know you're doing business as an entrepreneur, hiring people, building an establishment? Like how was that culture? Uh, I mean, very U.S. friendly. Um, you know, as I mentioned, about sixty eight percent of large corp- corporations in the U.S. outsource to India. And they've been doing it for forty years, so they're used to Americans you know, coming in the country. Right. Um, so I, did I stand out at certain times? Definitely, man. You know, African-American six, two, you know, <laughs> wearing a dad cap, you know, some Yeezys, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely stood out, but, um, you know, it, it all comes to, you know, knowing you're there to do business. So after they kind of saw like my vision for the company and of course my partner is Indian and we was able to lay out what we wanted to accomplish uh, it was pretty easy, man. You know, you get an attorney and you go through all the legal filings in order to separate your entity up in India. Did you, had, you had an American lawyer or Indian lawyer? Indian lawyer. So, so you I, talk, can you talk about that process a little bit? Yeah, sure, man. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, we found so that there are law firms, right, in, in these foreign countries that specialize in helping companies set up entities in their country. Right. So whether that's, you know, Africa, whether that's India, whether that's Colombia the Philippines, you know, all these different cu- countries that actually have outsourced operations, there's law practices that can help you build an infrastructure in that, in, in that country, make sure, legally anyway, right? It's still up to you to, you know, do all your hiring, find a location, et cetera. But in terms of, you know, paperwork, taxation, business license, et cetera, they can walk you through that process. We, uh, we had a great conversation with an alumni um, about just the difficulty of having employees. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering... How does how do you manage having remote employees? Are you hands on in firings or discrepancies that go on, or is that sure. solely given to somebody else? No, um, being that you know I, I own the entity, I own you know the U.S. side and the India side. Yeah, um, it's, it's hands on. Mm. You know, uh, for the first few hires, probably the first fifty hires, I interviewed every one of them. Mm. Um, you know, any any problems, I was involved in the HR process associated with it. And so it's, it's no di- different than running my operation here. Now, training-wise, you know, COVID-19 forced a lot of companies to to really embrace uh, Zoom. Right. Things, but I've, I've been doing that for five I'm years. I'm feeling like that would help you. 
right? Yeah, like that's what you've been doing. Of course. So it, it wasn't no change in my business. Right. Right. It, it actually accelerated my business because a lot of companies came to us knowing that we know how to work virtually mm-hmm. and asked us to, you know, pretty much staff their back office and, you know, help them make that transition. So let me ask you this, because um, I see a lot of people now, it's like other countries are getting involved in the outsourcing game, like Indonesia. Um, like I said, we even we, we did some stuff in Pakistan, of course, China. So India has a large presence. But are you seeing opportunities in other countries or are you just focused on India? No. Um, so, I mean, overall, our goal is to have uh, service centers in, in multiple countries. And, you know, certain countries have different uh, skill sets that they specialize in. Like a lot of people, uh, they outsource to the Philippines because mm. uh, voice-wise, yeah. you, know, you, you, you know, you call Expedia, more than likely you're probably talking to someone in the Philippines, and, and, and their accent is very Americanized or Westernized. And so, you know, there's no difference. But, you know, back office, IT support, accounting, that's mostly India, right? Mm. Um, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you're seeing a lot of companies do nearshoring in, in Panama, Jamaica, uh, Colombia, because people don't feel as comfortable, you know, with that operation being across the pond. They want to be where I can actually fly, fly two or three hours and be there on the ground if there's a problem or if I need to make any changes in my business. So, you know, just as a workforce, uh, the U.S. is a global economy. So you're starting to see workforce be globalized. Mm. I mean, it sounds like a an obviously a great opportunity for people to maximize their business. But what are some of the challenges to actually start the process of outsourcing? What are some of the things you saw? Sure. Um, the, the biggest challenges, uh, I, I, the biggest challenge I had initially was right communication, right? Because um, you know sometimes you have industry slang, right, that you have to teach them and have them adapt to. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, training virtually. That was, you know, the biggest problem I had at first. I had to create a repository of, of, of training that they can actually reference when they're in certain situations, you know. And as a small business, a lot of us, we create a business, but we never create the paper trail behind it in terms of if I'm not here, what does this employee do? How do they still execute on it? So it really forced me to, you know, uh, uh, really embrace documentation. So you made... You made like I'm thinking. Did you like make like a virtual handbook? So like exactly. it's a prompt that comes up every time yeah. they have a question about a problem. Yep. Like and, and that's most call centers that outsource, right? You call in, they ask you a specific questions, and usually there's something on the screen mm-hmm. that they can click that pretty much walks them through how to solve your problem or respond to your question before you even talk to that person. Before you even talk to them. Yeah. So yeah. I, I saw you had on Instagram some some things that people should I guess should look for if they're looking to outsource. The first was decide which task to outsource. Sure. Can you talk about that a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so you should um, you should focus on your weaknesses. I mean, sorry, focus on your strengths, right? That should be the core of your business. That's something you should do and hold close to vest. But you, you should outsource all your weaknesses. So if you're not good in accounting, then you should outsource accounting, whether you're outsourcing it to a CPA in the U.S. or you're outsourcing it overseas. Somebody else should do it, right? Um, same with, you know, IT. If, if you have an idea for an app, but you don't have the time or money, right, to spend educating yourself on it, then you outsource it to another entity, right? You have the idea. Focus on your ideas. Focus on what you're strong at, and then outsource the things that you won't deliver it upon. So what about platform, choosing a platform? Uh, for outsourcing? Yeah. Uh, it, it depends on the task, right? Um, you got certain things, like if I wanted to uh, have a website built, then I may go to uh, your Upwork or I may go to your, your Fiber. But if I want to 
uh, if I want this function, which is like a call center related function, I wanted the, my collections department handled offshore, then I want to go to a managed services company like mine where I can say, hey, this is the function I want you to do on the behalf of my company. I want you to have a staff that answers the phone and responds to email as if they're, they're me, right, and still deliver the same quality and service to my customers. So it's identifying the task, and then once you identify the task, then what kind of outsource component should I use? Should it be a VA? Should it be a managed services company? Or should it be what's called a captive? And a captive is, you know, I want you to come in as an outsourcing company and build my center, right? Build me a Metro Max, and then give me the keys and walk away. Almost like giving, like, turnkey real estate. Has technology ever been problematic for you? I mean, I know that when we try to use, like, a, a virtual meeting sometimes, obviously, even here, like, Wi-Fi is not great, but I can imagine for if a business is relying on a virtual setup and technology is down, what do we do? Man, one thing I learned about being in corporate America is having redundancy. Mm. So for us, we got two offices. We got one in Bangalore and we got one in uh, Punjab, North India. And so, um, and they work off, you know, they're in different locations, of course. And so if one is down, we always got the redundancy of the other to still, you know, satisfy our services and pretty much uh, make sure our uptown is still available for our clients. So two different parts of India, like completely. Okay, gotcha. Separate. Right. Yeah. So you said don't always go with the lowest bid? Um, in, in terms of service? Yeah. No, man. You, you, I mean, you, you pay for quality, right? So um, it's no different than any other business. When you evaluate if somebody worked for your business, you know, look at the quality first. And if the quality makes sense, you know, the price should align to that. And quality would be their past work, right? Past work, you know. Um, Do you check references? I always check references. Well, we actually ask our employees to provide us, you know, um, you know examples. For instance, um, you know, before you interview with us, if, you, uh, if you're specialized in digital marketing, uh, we're going to give you an assignment. And so, you know, it, it may be, hey, build this website, right? And, and these are the parameters for it. And then once you deliver on that website, we check your references. We know that, you know, you're at a certain percentage of credibility. So you can, all right, so your business model in my brain mm-hmm. works because it's you get an employee from India for 25% of what you can get in America, right? So if you're going to pay somebody $100,000 in America, you can pay them $25,000 in India. Let's just use the round numbers. Sure. Um, and then, so you can potentially charge another 25000 on top of that, but you're still paying 50% cheaper than what you would pay in America. Is that kind of, did I get that kind of right? That's true. That's true. I mean, the cost savings is a, is a big part of it. Uh, but also, I get quick access to talent, and I can scale that talent up and down as I want to. All right, you take COVID-19, right? Uh, a lot of businesses' revenue fluctuated. If my revenue fluctuate, right, number one, I got a pretty healthy margin in terms of room to mm-hmm, operate. Mm-hmm. But number two, I can scale that operation down pretty quickly, right? You know, employment laws, regulations, and stuff like that are a little different in, in foreign countries versus here. And secondly... If my, you know, if my customer base and client base start to increase significantly, I can go higher rapidly. And, and, and that's the advantage to, to outsourcing, right? Not only just, you know, cost savings, but scalability, process improvement, um, you know, uh, taking low-hanging things that you don't want your core people to focus on and having another division of, of, of talented individuals handle. No, it's a good business model, actually, and it makes sense. It's a win-win for everybody. 
because you're still, like I said, you're still paying less than what you would have paid. And and if you're trying to do it yourself, like on Fiverr or one of these, it's like, yeah, you can potentially get burnt because you're trying to do your due diligence, but it's still a different country. Right. How do you know how to vet somebody? So it's always good to have people on the ground where you have like people that's in India vetting these people. Mm-hmm. So you've you've created a whole system around that. Um, it's good. Good idea. Thank you, brother. <laughs> yeah, it took a lot of time and money, man. It went, it went overnight, but yeah. It's over so here now. when the first time you got the Metro Max idea, that was the vision. What has changed since that initial vision? Have you seen things that like you know what we need to add this? You saw somebody else doing something. All right, we can add this to our business. Yeah. So, um, I mean, over the years, you know, our foundation was transportation. That's that's what we started in because that's that's what my 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 business was focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, after you know meeting a lot of clients, networking. Uh, we, we got companies that want us to, you know, handle accounting for them, you know, handle the back end for their accounting firm. Uh, we recently built two apps for one company, mm-hmm. right? They they struggled for a year uh, trying to find good software developers, good software engineers, and, and pretty much afford them. And so we came in and knocked it out in four weeks. You know, I, I was able to hire, you know, 10, 10 developers and put them on it for four weeks and execute it within a budget. So, you know, that, that's the power of, you know, being able to lam- leverage certain talents globally. Everyone's here probably tied up, right? They, they, their project was too small for certain developers here. Mm-hmm. But globally, it may be some hungry developers that will eat it up if they get the opportunity. It's a great opportunity for them. Yeah. yeah. So you, you said, like, some people that might need um, overseas or outsourcing. Uh, SEO and digital marketing, I wanna, uh, that was interesting to me. And audio and video editors, that's also interesting to me. So digital marketing, what is, is that somebody that's running like your social media? Sure. Um, they can do everything from, you know, ad campaigns to uh, designing websites, uh, designing flyer, uh, editing the content, posting the content. Um, they can do everything. It, it, you know, it just depends on how involved you, you, you want them in your space. Okay. So audio and video editor. How's that work? Because in my room, like video editor, somebody that's recording the video, but they like here recording the video. So you would have to get somebody here to record like video and then send it to them to edit it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you still got your primary recorder here, but uh, they'll do all the editing according to kind of what your vision that you lay out for what you want to display. So financing and accounting, they study American accounting laws, even though they don't, and they know American accounting. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> that's crazy. So, so I'm gonna tell you what's crazy, bro. So you know we got we got um, Ernest and Young, we got Deloitte, you know, big four accounting company. Mm-hmm. Their back office is in India. Oh, so it's, they're already they're, they're already outsourced. Yeah. they're already accustomed to working with American companies, right? And and doing those functions, right? English is the second language. You know, we're one of the biggest importer of of revenue and and uh, and jobs in that country. So they're very accustomed to all our components. So, so the same rules apply for real estate as well? Real estate as well. So they're studying all the laws that have to, to govern the United States? Most of the big law companies, right, they have what's called uh, LPOs. You know, that's, uh, that's like legal processing, outsourcing. And their back office is being handled from the Philippines or India, right? They're not doing the paperwork. The lawyers are spending their time in court. Uh, the, the paperwork and, you know, uh, consolidation of you know, statements for the, for the actual hearing is being done offshore. 
I feel like we just pulled back the curtain on some things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> so they studying, they studying American law, they studying American real estate, they studying everything in America. Retail. Mm-hmm. So they can have knowledge to actually do the job. Great. So so offshore and, online. And, and it goes to okay. other, it goes the other way around too, right? I mean, I study them so I can do business with them, right? Just like how um, even though I'm a US company, now that I'm doing business in India, I see I see opportunities to do business in India, right? I see real estate opportunities. I see uh, opportunities to add technology, stuff that we're currently doing here in the U.S. that they don't have access let's, to. Let's talk about that because yeah. that's interesting. So, yeah, let's talk about that. So you're going to buy real estate out there? Sure. How's that going to work? Uh, um, you know, same as you know, buying real estate in the Bahamas. You know, I, I contact a, a lawyer to pretty much facilitate the transaction, real estate lawyer. Um, have agents that identify properties, um, you know, do, do the analysis and term the evaluation, and uh, I make the payment. How's the, how's the, how's the like, pricing for real estate? Is it one-fourth of what America is? It is. It is? Because it's, it matches the cost of living. Oh, right? The cost okay. of living is less, so the cost of real estate is less. The cost of services is less. So, like, a good... So what are you trying to buy? Commercial buildings or homes or definitely buildings? We are we are already in the process of buying, you know, the building we occupy in Bangalore. And um, you know, we, we plan on pretty much buying every facility we How big is that building? Uh right now, uh it's uh said probably around seventy thousand square feet. And how how much are you gonna pay for it? Uh it, it it'll be under well, well under half a million. Under, under half a million. million. Yeah. Seventy seventy thousand square feet. You know what I'm saying, man? <laughs> yeah. A 2,000 square foot Apparently. house, that's 500,000. I know, right? <laughs> but I know, right? India, India is also one of these countries that's expected to um, have a huge economic boom sure. in the next 20, 30 years. Yeah. It's like China where um, the middle class has grown drastically. There's still a lot of poverty out there, but there's a lot of rich people, and they're, they're moving into upper middle class and wealthy. Yeah. It's like very similar to the pattern that China took. Yeah. Technology's accelerating it as well. So I would assume that, you know, as people increase their income, real estate prices will increase as well. Definitely. The cost of services, uh, the cost of employment will increase as well. So it, it goes hand in hand. As a as a economy matures, yeah. right, it becomes more expensive to operate in. So I'm glad you said that. They're studying us, but you're also studying them. Is there something, even from a technological standpoint, that you saw happening here that you were like, look, they don't know about this yet? Let me introduce it. Um, yeah, I mean, Uber. That's mm. one. Uh, DoorDash. They don't have That's that? Enough. They don't have that out there? No. Nah. Why not? Um, infrastructure. Um, you know, um, access to, you know, how it's put together and how to deploy it. It's, it's various reasons. But, um, you know, we look at those as, you know, you may have uh, in, in certain pockets that they have certain technologies, but it's not widely broadcast. The one thing we're very good in the U.S. is when a service, is, a service take off, right, we know how to communicate it to the vast group, and then we know how to get investors behind it and pump it up fast, right? Um, that's, that market is still kind of tentative in India. It's still, it's still growing because they're a growing company. Uh, sorry, a growing country. So it's still maturing in terms of, you know, getting foreign investments to invest in, you know, local technologies and local infrastructures to improve their business. Usually it's the other way around, right? People like China, right? They get a lot of money and they come and invest in the U.S., right? Um, 
it's very few people that get a lot of money and invest in China. There's very few people in the U.S. who make a lot of money and go invest in India, unless you're like a hedge fund or something like that. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, they do it all the time. Yeah. So it's like, why not reverse? Yeah, why, why, why can't be a Gent- small investor? Gentify their hood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come plant your flag in their they hood. That's crazy. So what, you say you're looking to buy real estate and you're looking to start a business. What kind of business are you looking to start? A um, couple opportunities, uh, even, you know, tech. You know, we, we hired those software developers to, you know, support one company. And we just kept them on staff. And so they, they're developing technologies not only for our clients in the U.S., uh, but things we want to actually try to, you know, implement in India. Dope. So Marco's going to create the Indian Uber. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh, man, somebody's probably already running that, running that play, you know, but I'm going to definitely put my uh, – you know, put a good footprint. Yeah, that's there. that's that's yeah. that's brilliant. That's what, really brilliant. What are some myths um, that people might have about outsourcing? Um, that my the quality of my business is going to decrease. Uh, I'm not going to get the the best service. My customer is not going to have the best experience uh, in terms of customer service. Um, they're not going to deliver. <laughs> we got well. It happened to us. <laughs> that's the biggest it one. Happened, they're not going to deliver. It happened to us. Thanks, yeah. Mike. So what what mistake did we make? We just didn't properly vet people? Yeah, Mike can do a good job at vetting. <laughs> Basically. No, nah, nah, I'm joking, Basically. No, nah, that's well, not pretty mean, much. That's actually what happened. But that's it's actually okay. did what it's, happened. We still love him. You, you know, bro, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just really um, just checking the box, man, in terms of, you know, knowing exactly what you're looking for and, and how to weed them out. You know, like, you know, posting the job ad to say, these are our exact requirements. And if you have these requirements, you can do this job easily. That's going to weed out a lot of people, right, just by saying that word. You can do this job easily because they're like, damn, if, if I don't meet these requirements, they expected me to be able to do this easily, so I'm not going to even apply. I know it's, 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 it's terminology. I'm counting our mistakes. Yeah. Number one, we didn't go to India. Number two, <laughs> we should have looked up Metro Max. Yeah, and man. we could have had this thing off the ground. Oh, it could have been done, man. That's a fact. Couple weeks. <laughs> a couple That's of weeks. <laughs> Let's talk about the operation. If I'm John Smith and I want to, I got a, a website that needs to be built and I want to use you because I don't want to have to go through Fiverr and, you know, take my chances. What's the steps of using your company, your services? Sure. So uh, you would, you know, go to our website. You would uh, submit an a intake form. Uh, which pretty much outlines, you know, what your company is, what service you're looking for us to support. We'll have a discovery call where we'll we'll talk through that submission, um, look at the current state of your company and what you want to deliver. Uh, we will provide an estimate for delivering that service, and once you agree, uh, we go into execution. And execution depends on the project. You know, building a website, you know, that can take a week. You know, but if you want us to build a website, then attach a CRM system to that. And then on top of that, you want some sales guys to, you know, handle the first inbound calls and then take those calls and route them to your onshore person to actually close those warm leads. That may be a project that requires multiple milestones and then a phase approach. And so based on your need, we'll develop, okay, this is how we deliver on it. So it's like a la carte situation. Correct. Depending if you actually need a worker or if you just need a – Service, or if you need a team, right? Which uh, CRM uh, systems do you, do you prefer? Man, um, I like uh, Salesforce. I like um, Silver Spring, HubSpot. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a couple of. It just depends on your business, right? Whatever you know. No, there's not one CRM system that works for every business. Okay. So, so this is something that 
any anybody can really use because you might need a service like to build a website or app, or you might need an employee to do back office stuff, HR, virtual assistant. So in my brain, it really any type of business can really benefit from this type of situation. 100%. I'm, I'm going to tell you something crazy, bro. Like, um, you know, COVID-19, um, you know, it, it left a lot of people unemployed, looking for new opportunities. Um, in, tw- in a span of 30 days, uh, from September the 1st to September the 30th, I hired 50 people in Atlanta. And I hired all of them using my HR team that's in India. They, made, they posted the job ad. They interviewed them virtually. And they pretty much got them, they sent them through the background screening, uh, drug testing, and pretty much routed them to my office and to pretty much start within my, within my trucks that I got from Amazon. All happened virtually. That's amazing. And <laughs> it's like, you know, one of these things, like you said, one of the things that really holds people back and keeps small businesses small is that they don't have enough resources to expand. Yep. And this is a way to actually expand um, and then you bring more revenue in, and now you can invest in your business. Correct. And invest in your business, invest in growth, invest in your people. There you have it. Yeah, man. Thank you for the opportunity. It's a pleasure being yeah. with you guys. Yeah, man. So the last thing I want to ask you before we wrap, Amazon, what's the deal with that? I know you said you have a partnership with Amazon. How's, how's that work out? Yeah, so I'm an um, a Amazon DSP partner. Um, I actually, what was that? Uh, Amazon DSP. DSP. And that stands for Delivery Service Provider. Gotcha. And uh, we pretty much handle deliveries from the Amazon warehouse to customer doors. So, you know, I have I have employees that uh, pretty much dress in the Amazon uh, wear uh, and deliver packages from 50 to 300 pounds to customers every day. And, you know, that was critical during COVID-19 because e-commerce exploded, Amazon exploded. And uh, with that, my, my business <laughs> Trickle down. So how, how'd you get that? How'd you get hooked up with the Amazon situation? Um, man, it was simple, man. I went to AmazonLogistics.com. Uh, I applied with uh, my background um, in transportation and, and also, you know, my leadership skills in terms of, you know, being an entrepreneur and operating a business. Uh, once I got through their screening process and they awarded me the contract, I went into hiring mode, and so I went into sourcing the equipment and using my offshore team to you know, pretty much uh, start the HR process. Has the military, um, have you had like any programs from the military that you've taken advantage of? Man, I haven't, man. And I'm a veteran, so um, Salute. Know, I have to. <laughs> yeah. And, it, it, you know, that's a that's an alley hoop to me, but I haven't leveraged them in, uh, recently. Uh, but I actually partnered with a guy uh, to pretty much get me all the certifications I need to, you know, start applying for a lot of government. Do they have? Because I know that they have the GI Bill, obviously, which is to help people go to college for free. Then they have programs with the the mortgages, yeah, VA loans, the VA loans. Mm-hmm. Do they have something for business owners to give them loans? Yeah, like um, you know, I don't know the, the exact percentage, but um, a, a percentage of government bids is is available to veterans. First right, like first right, yeah, and they have to give a, a certain amount of their spend every year to veterans. Mm. So it's it's upon us to apply. And, and to be honest, I haven't took advantage of that, but I'm, I'm planning to. Dope, yeah. dope. That was your logistics. Went from early ages, 17, 18, to now that Amazon deal. Yeah. It's crazy. beautiful, man. Crazy. Yeah. So what's, what's your plans for the next five, ten years? Like, how are you going to just take over India, run for president out there? <laughs> no, man, we, we plan to have, like, service centers in, in different countries. You know, like I said, India was, you know, uh, alley hoop in terms of having a relationship 
but we're looking at things in, you know, uh, Jamaica, Africa. I was going to ask you about Africa. Africa. Ha- Africa? What, what what country in Africa? Uh, Ghana. Ghana? Mm-hmm. You have relationships there already? Uh, I have a couple friends from there. Okay. Uh, that I plan to leverage that's interested in outsourcing, and they, you know, they have the relationships on the ground. That seems like something that could really take off in Africa. Oh, definitely. Especially countries like Nigeria and Ghana where, you know, people, they speak English. Mm-hmm. They're very tech savvy. It's a lot. It's a huge, huge uh, young population yeah. on the continent. population. Um, it seems like, you know, it, it would, in my brain, it could be like a next India. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, they, they got the resources to be. Yeah. yeah. Right? And I mean, Africa is huge, right? So a lot of opportunity there. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. So Donna, what, we coming. What would you what would you like to tell the people? Um, social media handles, websites, uh, how can they follow you? Yeah, so um Metro Max Solutions. Um, we're on all platforms, uh, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can go to our website, MetroMaxSolutions.com, and uh you can follow me on IG, not much op- uh action, but uh, <laughs> ask DeMarco at uh uh, is, is my IG handle. So, you know, look forward to connecting and, and working with a lot of small business entrepreneurs. What's your favorite Indian food? I, I'm a, I'm a pescetarian, bro. So, uh, I, I love hummus. I do a lot of veggies. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a pescetarian too. I love Indian food. I eat Indian food at least once a week. Once a week? Okay. Yeah. You got to go that in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to my first Indian wedding, uh, this summer. How many days? It was four. Yeah. <laughs> it was four days. He was on uh, Seek. Shout out to my man, Paul Seek. And um, it was a whole cultural experience mm-hmm. for me. Um, so it was dope. It was dope. You know, like I said, I love to just experience different cultures. Yeah. It takes you, your mind to a whole different playing field. Like, you know what I mean, you, we get stuck in our culture so much that we forget that there's millions of different people out in the world and different cultures and, and all kinds right. of different customs and fashion and all that stuff. But um not a, the wedding was really dope, very welcoming people. Um and it was it was interesting for me to see A, how they worked with each other. Cause like, you know, his fam his his father in law um owns a chain of uh motels. Mm-hmm. And I found out that like at least on the East Coast, like almost seventy percent of like those motels are owned by like one Indian family. And what they do is like they'll have like I right, like I buy a motel and then um, I send like for my nephew to come to India to work in the motel and he learns the whole system and then everybody pulls their money and he takes a loan he buys a motel and they just repeat the process like that and then it's like he's paying off Harry so they stimulating the the economy while they're still learning they all you know it's not like and if you want to be a lawyer you got to be a lawyer for the company. You want to be like, you know what I'm saying? Accountant, you got to be the, the company's accountant. You can't be like, I mean, you could do it, but it's frowned upon. Like you got to kind of like all work together. So just seeing that, it was really inspiring to me because I'm like, this is like a whole system in place. And it's, same with gas stations too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the gas stations, mm-hmm. heavy yeah. in the gas station game. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. So you can always learn from other people, other cultures. And um, definitely when it comes to that specifically, I think that that was really, really dope. So shout out to everybody in India. Like I said, we had a bad experience, but we won't let one bad <laughs> no, apple no. ruin it. <laughs> Metro Mask going to change. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to change all Next that. Time. Our fortune was, is yeah. now changed. Next right time, <laughs> Metro Max, by the time you hear part two of this, this situation, we're going to be up and running with a whole empire in India. <laughs>
Troy, housekeeping items? Yeah, man. Shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. Y'all know that's our Proud to Pay program. And shout out to every, all our earners on EYL University, man, that have just flooded flooded the university uh, with value, man. Uh, we appreciate all of our earners. And, uh, yeah, man, shout out to everybody that's been supporting the merch uh, and giving great feedback about everything that they're learning. So, yeah. Yeah. And and I forget, I would be remiss to forget this. I actually spent a month in Asia, me and Jamal, um, three years ago, it was a life-changing experience, and we went to five countries in Asia. And that's another um, way that I actually learned about how business, you know, because they was, like, real up on crypto and everything like that. And um, it was extremely, like, we was in Thailand, extremely diverse country, people from all over the world was there. And um, it was all love, man. We got so much love out there. Everybody was just warm, embraceable. So I encourage everybody to travel. Exposure. Travel is the only thing that you can spend money on, and you will guarantee to get a return because it, you it will it will greatly impact your life in a positive way. I'm sure of it. So, travel as much as possible once this COVID situation dies down. Because um, yeah, I just thought about that at the last minute, but we definitely spent 30 days out there, went to five different countries, and um, you know, hearing your story, it changed your life. I'm sure. So, um, you know. Came back with two businesses. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so expand your mind, people, and, and for travel. This has been a very enlightening conversation. Thank you guys for rocking with us. We will see you next week. Peace. Peace. Later. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Backdrop. Backdrop. <laughs> a mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. In your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans. Like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A., members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.